Well, Zachary, I already welcomed you, but let me welcome you again. Uh, my name is Philip. I'm one of the pastors here of this church. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. If you want to connect with somebody, either a pastor or someone else in the church, there is a way to do that. Hopefully that's convenient to you. On the back of this uh, bulletin, there's a QR code that you can scan and fill out. Or just stick around after this and let us meet you. And maybe we can better know you that way and connect with you through the week. We do meet every Sunday, Lord willing, as he gives one Sunday after the next at 1030. So you would be more than welcome to come back on New Year's Day next week. We'd be delighted to have you with us. We normally, during this time, open up a section of the Bible. And as God helps us through his spirit, as he helps me to communicate it or whoever's preaching helps you to listen and understand it. uh, We know this practice helps us to know God, who he is. Helps us to hear his word to us. Helps us to know what this life is that he's given us and what it's for. So we're going to do that again. We're not going to break any tradition this morning that way. But we will especially uh, be looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. Because it is Christmas morning. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 2. You'll find that in the Blue Pew Bibles in front of you on page 857. Luke 2. Luke was a a physician. He was also a historian who wrote down his firsthand eyewitness account of Jesus' life and his time with Jesus. Uh, In in this, he is writing, trying persuasively writing to a friend or a colleague, trying to communicate to him the significance of Jesus. And he starts way back at the beginning. And we're going to look at Jesus' birth story here this morning. But you could even go back starting at the beginning of Luke, and read from that point forward to see what you might have missed. Stories capture our attention, and especially stories that surprise us. I remember my kids, uh, all when they were younger than they are now, asking me regularly to tell them a story, just on the spur of the moment. And even though I was incredibly bad at that, it was fun. To try to come up with a story off the top of my head that would grip my child's attention, maybe even surprise them. Imagine that I had given you a piece of paper this morning and had asked you to write a story. And the only direction I give to you is this. Here's your title for your story. A King's Birthday. A King's Birthday. And you would have to fill in the rest. So many possibilities, right? Would you write about a grown king who has a grand birthday party? Would you write about a baby being born in a castle and all the people who come and give him luxurious gifts? Would you write from the perspective of the king's subjects and what this birthday means for the kingdom as a whole? This morning we do hear the story of a king's birthday from Luke 2. But unlike a fairy tale setting that we might imagine, this story is true. And as we'll see, this story matters for us and for the whole world. We're going to hear the king's birthday story in three parts. First, the king is born. Second, why the king's birth matters. And third, what to do with the news of the king's birth. A king is born. First part of the king's birthday story from Luke. I'm going to read chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Here's this young couple, Mary and Joseph, journeying to Bethlehem, compelled by the decree of the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus. See, the census was how Caesar could number and tax those living under his rule. Both the registration and the taxation were a show of power by a powerful man. Caesar summons the nations and they come and pay him what he requires. So under Caesar's rule, this lowly, humble couple, Mary and Joseph, traveled to a small town, Bethlehem. And there, Mary goes into labor. Not in a house, but somewhere where, only, where the only place to lay her new baby is a feeding trough for animals. No blankets, just rags and cloths that signify their poverty. When Jesus was born, very few people noticed. So here's mighty Caesar, the emperor, flexing his power, the nations coming at his command, and lowly Jesus lying in a manger, just another baby born. A deliberate contrast between power and seeming weakness, between exaltation and humility. Caesar may have been ordering people to come, but I want you to also see that God is ordering Caesar to bring Jesus' mother and father to the place of his birth, to bring Jesus to the place he'll be born. It was actually in Micah 5, verse 2, many years before this would happen, that, that we hear this prophecy from the Lord. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Jesus came to earth to be that foretold ruler, that king. He came as a king and as a humble child of lowly parents. God chose to take on this kind of life. A truly humble existence. The creator decided to pass through a birth canal. He who feeds the ravens chose to be breastfed. He who sat on a throne praised by angels chose to come without any fanfare from anyone he had made. Why? Why? Because in being born like us and living like us, he would then be prepared to die like us. So that we would have someone who could die for us. So a great king here goes unnoticed by those he came to deliver. A king holding unspeakable power doesn't flex his status. 
He sets it aside to do us eternal good. And Jesus, friends, is still working the same way today. The same way he was working the day he arrived as a baby, he's working now. It is the powerful and the influential that seek the world's praise. Governments make decrees and order us in our lives. But it's all going on by God's design. Meanwhile, God, even now, is choosing to use lowly things to carry out his purposes. So let's keep thinking about this as we move from the king's birth to the second observation of the story. The second part of the king's birthday, why the king's birth matters. I'm going to read in verse 8, falling down to verse 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What was it like to be one of these shepherds? What was it like to be them in their job? They spent their days and their nights with animals. They were peasants at best. They were on the very edges of society. Then suddenly, they are in the middle of the, to this point, most significant event of human history thus far. They get to be part of God redeeming the world. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That statement shapes how we think about our position in life, whatever it might be for you this morning. If you're influential, don't form your identity around that. If you're low, look to God for his promised grace. A shining angel breaks the darkness of the night and his message breaks the spiritual darkness of the world. He says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who's Christ the Lord. Who is this good news for? The angel says, good news. Who's it for? We must ask. Well, the angel says it would be good news for all the people. Which people? All the people who find great joy in the good news. Who are those people? The people God chooses to reveal himself to and the people who respond to him in faith and trust. Salvation from God provided through Jesus Christ happens when God reveals himself to you. Reveals Jesus who saves us by dying for us and rising from the grave and we respond in faith believe on this lord jesus christ and you will be saved 
That is the good news for all the people, not just that morning, but this morning and every morning in between. God sent Jesus to save us from our sins so that we can live with God, not in great fear, but in great joy. Do you want great joy? The angel says, believe the good news. Believe the good news that Jesus came to save you. And you can live in joy knowing that your sins are forgiven, your burdens lifted, and your life secure in him. So is this good news producing great joy in your heart? We have a savior. And with him we have a word of comfort from our father. Do not be afraid. Our lives do not need to be plagued with fear and worry, but they can be full of praise like the angels. Luke says, a multitude of angel armies filled the sky. And just as an aside, God has angel armies. <laughs> and they can go and appear in space and time. As we think about kings, can you name any other king in any other country that can do that? This angel host gathers and in a chorus of voices shout glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And as we imagine the night sky filled with angel soldiers and ranks upon ranks, can you imagine what this sounded like? So while Caesar would try to spread the Pax Ramona, the peace of Rome, through military conquest and revel in the praises of his subjects, God's armies come from heaven announcing that God will bring peace to the whole earth. One of those kings with their armies has long since passed. While the other, with his angels, still lives and reigns. Jesus' birth shows us how wonderful God is. That he in his supreme position looks on us in our low position and sends a king that will effectively conquer death and deliver us. When you look at what God has at his disposal, countless angels who spend their days doing his bidding. When you look at what God can create with his word, the moon and the stars, the sun and the galaxies, doesn't it make you wonder why he would mess around with making a way for our peace? Wouldn't it be a bigger demonstration of his power to do what other kings do to rebels and wipe them out? God is wonderfully powerful. And his praise would have continued forever if he had chosen to do that. But he is also wonderfully merciful. And for those who don't deserve it, he shows favor. He commits to ending the war we wage against him by giving us the loving sacrifice of Jesus who brings us peace. God is mighty and he's merciful. No wonder the angels say, this God is glorious. God's peace that he brings is meant to be a gift for us, as the angels say. It's meant to be enjoyed among those to whom God has shown favor. So as we actually love each other and forgive each other, when we're patient with each other and when we forbear with one another, when we work together instead of dividing, 
We bring God's pleasure into our life together. When we live in peace, we will live in God's pleasure. His aim is for our fondness for one another, for our forgiveness. Unity in our church glorifies God. Division, sin, and fighting, all these demean and dismiss God's mercy. So if you're a member of this church, are you at peace with all the other members of our church? Are you living in a settled knowledge that just as God has loved you, you love everyone here? If not, make peace with God first, then go make peace with each other. And let's do that before we come around his table next week, next Sunday. And beyond this church, are you living right now peaceably with everyone you can think of out there in the world? It is the love of Jesus that leads us to be peacemakers. It's the love of Jesus that leads us to be loving citizens, good and thoughtful neighbors, helpful members of our community. Jesus' birth matters because he came as the only hope for the world. Without him, the king and savior, the promised one from God, there would be only fear, no peace, no pleasure of life with God. And no one but lowly shepherds knew that night that a little boy in Bethlehem had just turned the world upside down. The shepherds then do something with the news of this king's birthday. And that takes us to our last point, the last part of our story, the final part of this king's birthday. We'll read verse 15 through 20 and see here what should be done with the news of the king's birth. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds waste no time. They go straight from that hillside, the angelic chorus, and they go straight to Bethlehem to find the baby in the manger. The sign of God's salvation for the world. They go to see, and once they've seen, they tell others. Verse 18 and 19 tell us that more than Mary and Joseph may have been there when the shepherds arrived. Whoever heard what the angels said wondered. There was interest and there is amazement generally. But then there's a special focus on Mary, whose response was markedly different from the rest. She took what she heard and she put it away in her heart. Turned it over from that day forward. Thinking, seeking to understand why this birth and this birthday is so special. Now, once they finish their visit and pass on the news, the shepherds go back to their fields, the same lowly shepherds, but now changed by what they've witnessed. How different must the nights on the hill have been from them from that point forward? 
Remembering that God spoke to them about the Savior who was born. The Savior they got to see with their own eyes. And so they returned to their work, menial and mundane as it must have been, with praise to God. Like the angels, giving glory to God in the highest. So Mary receives the news. Others receive the news. The shepherds, they all receive God's news. And they respond in the same way. Just like any claim to truth, friends. We all have to respond to it. We must. We process. We accept. Or we dismiss. So I just want to spend the last couple moments encouraging us to make sure we respond to Jesus' birth in the right way. Let's respond with wonder. Let's respond with wonder. Take some time. Put yourself on that hillside. A spectator receiving the thundering chant of heaven's army, the immense fear subsiding and the well of joy overflowing in our hearts. Jesus came not to destroy, but to deliver. Think about the little baby who is also the infinite God. Think on these things until there is wonder and amazement for who God is and what he's done. Let's respond with wonder. Let's also give this careful thought and attention. Surely we could exhaust our days exploring the mystery that God took on flesh, that Jesus came and died. I, find, I challenge us to find a greater subject that could occupy our thoughts. There isn't a more interesting book than the one that tells us of a king who saves his enemies by his own loving self-sacrifice. There's no more profound philosophy than victory and an exaltation through humiliation, death, and resurrection. You will never receive a more thrilling invitation than the one God extends to you to meet with him and talk to him and know him through Jesus who desires for you to live with him. If Jesus matters this much, if his birth affects all of us this much, if the salvation that he brings changes us this much, then let us give him much of us, our attention, our time, our prayer, our lives. Let's believe. Let's respond and let's believe. We know nothing of these shepherds before the night they heard God and saw Christ the Lord. We know nothing after they leave the scene. But we know they were changed. They started at fear and they finished in joy and praise. Why? Because God revealed himself. Showed them his salvation plan and invited them to see it for themselves. No matter who you were when you came in the door this morning. That invitation is held out to you. You may have never grasped the significance of Jesus' birth before, but if God is telling you today and you are hearing him today, then I encourage you to believe him today. Put your life in the hands of the deliverer, the savior. If Jesus came in such a way for such a purpose, then you can trust that he will take great care with your life that he did so much to save. Christian, there are many things that threaten our belief from day to day. There's temptation. There's distraction. There are many fears and many worries. 
Sometimes these truths of the gospel, even Christmas, they can become kind of abstracts, can't they? And we tend to start believing that the physical realities of our days are the only concrete things. Remember, the baby in Mary's womb was really a baby. Jesus really came here. Angels really verified who he was and who God sent him to be for us. Jesus really walked on this earth. He really did teach us the way to live. He really did make a way for life with God. He really did die in a body like ours. He really did suffer for the sins we've committed. He really did lay down in death. And he really did rise in life. And he really is alive in heaven waiting to return. To trust in that is to fix our lives on what is most real. Finally, let's respond by spreading the news. God reveals his good news to us, for us, and so that we would go and tell others just like the shepherds did. Because this is a message for all the people. Who are all the people in your life? Who are all the people you're going to see later today? Have they heard this news? The shepherds in the darkness received an announcement from a shining witness. They became worshipers and messengers. This is God's way to use you and me, the lowly and the meek, to be messengers of his might and his mercy. If Christ is alive, which he is, and his light is in your life, which it is, if he has redeemed you, it is because God has graciously revealed Christ to you. Likely you heard through one of his lights, one of his witnesses. Now we go and we tell That Christ the Savior is born, born to die and born to save. Let's spread the good news of Jesus to all our people. And may Jesus Christ the Lord, the King, receive all the glory. Let's pray. Father, we respond with the angels and we say glory to you in the highest. And we thank you with wonder and joy that you would bring peace to enemies through the humble birth, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection of Christ Jesus the King. We give you praise. Help us to receive this good news as what matters most to us. Help it to change our lives as what is most significant in our lives today, tomorrow, and all our days. Lord, we pray that we would be those who, having received the good news, would take the good news. And in all these ways, magnify Christ the King above any other king, above any other ruler who who could not and would not use their rule in such a way as Christ did. Help us to live in the joy, knowing that our king was born, our king died, our king rose for our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.